Welcome back to the Social Workers and Scriptures podcast. We are your hosts, Caddy Lias. And I'm Susan Camacho. We are a double dose of therapists for you, lucky you, who wish to bring wellness and improve relationships to your life by bringing together our love of the Bible and therapy. Don't forget to give us a like and follow us and subscribe on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Thanks so much for joining us on this journey today. And the title of this episode is Tighten Up Your Core, Christ-Centered. This is a Christ-Centered subtopic episode of our overall series, Tighten Up Your Core Emotionally. If you haven't checked out the intro episode, check that out. You're going to get a little bit more information and we will briefly outline the subtopics again for you here today. Now, the purpose of this podcast is to help support you in developing a healthy emotional core and also to explore why being Christ-centered helps with emotional wellness. Now, Susan, can you give them our disclaimer? This is not a substitute for individual psychotherapy to treat underlying conditions or chronic mental health issues. Each person needs assessment on a case-by-case basis for treatment purposes. Do not go off your meds without medical consultation. If you are having a psychiatric emergency, please go to your nearest ER or dial 911. If you are in crisis, you can contact the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. And while we are not degreed theologians, we are professional therapists. We have graduate degrees, master's degrees in social work, but this podcast is not specifically just for social workers. It's for those who wish to bridge your love of mental health and the Bible. So let's review again. When we are discussing a healthy emotional core, we are speaking in terms of an emotional core or core wellness. We are talking about emotional characteristics needed to live healthily. Someone who has a strong emotional core are the below. So C, which is this podcast, Christ-centered, they find their identity and value in Christ and practice Christian principles regularly. C, courageous and congruent in action and talk and has the capacity to be patient and forgive. Cares cares about growing, is committed to do so even when it's hard and connected to his or own, her own interests and goals. O, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, recognizes and finds relief that God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and everywhere. Not that they're omnipotent or omniscient or omnipresent, right? God. No. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> That'd be a long o, podcast. <laughs> outlook. That is positive. They keep hope and their hope is in the Lord. O, objectively thinks about their situation and puts things in realistic perspective. Kat, can you review the R and the E for us? I am ready. All right. So that wasn't one for R, but okay. R starts with restraint during distress. They're able to regulate their emotions. They review their underlying beliefs and thoughts. They renew their healthy thinking. They reset and they're ready to try again. Well, I guess R is for ready here too. Ready to try again. Also, they have relationships that they can count on that include a support system, a Christian community, and people that can help with accountability. Now, E, empowering dialogue to help themselves improve their situation and is able to express their desires, needs, and limits assertively. They're empathetic and examines the other's needs, not just theirs. And lastly, they engage in stress management techniques as needed. All right, so let's jump in. Susan, what is Christ-centered? And what does that look like on a day-to-day basis? On a daily basis, it should be praying, talking to God throughout your day, fasting, reading your Bible, going to church, hearing the word, doing what the word says, so, and applying it. So short and sweet. And yes, church, the actual building is super important. I know that there are people that are like, nature is my church. No, no, we're talking about the actual... There is benefits of getting dressed and going out and congregating 
I get it during the pandemic, we all did a virtual church, but regardless, it's important to have Christian community in whatever forum you can manage within your states and your country's restrictions. That's always a really good thing. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, 25, don't stop meeting together with other believers, which some people have gotten into the habit of doing. Instead, encourage each other, especially as you see that the day is drawing near. So Kat, what is Well, Christ? I agree with you. I think that getting dressed is a good thing. <laughs> Even if you're doing virtual church, get dressed. Thank you. <laughs> no half, half clothes. All right. So you're half me, sweats and then yeah, like exactly. a nice top. <laughs> you got, I did that the other day. Anyway. Um, okay. So uh, to me, being Christ centered means that Christ is at the center of who you are, what you do, where you're headed and what you focus on and how you see the world. Colossians 3.17 tells us, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Uh, in short, it looks like growing closer to Christ and more like him. John, John 15.4 tells us, abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So being Christ-centered daily looks like, if we're talking practically, it looks like living out the word and talk in action, which includes having the fruit of the spirit, having an exemplifying love, service, humility, sacrifice, submission to God and his will. You try to live in a way daily that is pleasing to the Lord and in obedience to God's word. You appropriately have reverence and fear of the Lord should you not obey him. You are focused on what God has for you, what he is calling you to do, identifying how he is trying to develop your gifts and obeying the Holy Spirit. It means that you take Christ into account when you make decisions. You consult him. You consider what his word says and commands, and you ask for wisdom and guidance. You're, when you are Christ-centered, your well-being is dependent upon Christ, not people, not circumstances, or things. Or is that nor? I don't know. Or things or nor things, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> Therefore, I'm a math person and not grammar. Okay. Therefore, having resilience and endurance and relying on Christ to replenish you and give you a strength when it is needed is part of being Christ-centered. When your well-being is dependent upon Christ and not other things, you have resilience, you have endurance, and Christ replenishes you. You trust in the Lord. Being Christ-centered means trusting in the Lord even when things don't make sense to you. You keep faith even when it's hard. You have joy. You have passion. You have livelihood and motivation. Practically, being Christ-centered includes, daily, like you said, daily prayer, reading of scripture, worshiping the Lord and song in our heart. Now, why is being Christ-centered so important to identity and value? Um, I think it's a, important to identity and value because in other podcasts, we have mentioned that behaviors are kind of values dressed up or at times they're disguised. See, again, they're so dressed. See that? <laughs> dressed. Not naked. Dressed up. Okay. <laughs> So if you don't have or you lack values, it makes it difficult to do relationships because relationships are in essence a meeting of the minds and both parties are inherently expecting people to live within the value system that the two of you have set forth, whether it's written or unwritten, said or unsaid, hopefully it is said. <laughs> Problems arise when people's values are misaligned and they are living out, they are living out of their value system. That's when a lot of mental health stuff mm -hmm. occurs. So if Christ is at the center and his values are your values, you prosper in all areas. It's also important because if your identity is not fixed in Christ, it will be moved by each person you're involved with. Wow. Or friends that you're friends with. I and you'll go through that. that was really important. And you, you will go through several identities to figure out 
who you are and what you want to become. And you see this all the time when women become in relationships and then all of a sudden they're like in an emo look or they're a hipster oh look, depending on are who they're Are we talking about women our time. age? Are we talking about... <laughs> <laughs> that seems slightly younger, but those women too. <laughs> and so you kind of take on some of those characteristics if you haven't just yet learned who you are. And so you'll go through several identities and figure out who you are and what you want to become. In God, it's fixed, and other people don't have the power to influence or dictate your identity for you. Rejection is also less. It's not that it doesn't stink. Don't get me wrong. But it's not as impactful well, because it. we... We're not going to feel rejection if we're Christ-centered, right? No, no, no. no okay. I All said right. that it will be less impactful. <laughs> I see. Yes. You won't be crying we in a wish, corner. Huh? We wish. I know. We wish. <laughs> And in that, because we know that God takes us in and he loves us, warts and all. Like, he loves you with all of, Dang, like, all of your imperfections. So Psalms 27, 10 says, Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Amen. A personal value system is a set of principles. I think this is really good to define because Kat will go into value as an intrinsic value. And it's inherent value, <laughs> worth value. Um, so when she segues way in to that conversation, but the dictionary just defines a value system as a set of principles or ideals that drive and or guide a person's behavior. The personal value system gives a person structure and purpose by helping him or her determine what is meaningful and important. And so that's why I was saying that, you know, when God is doing that for you, it is super important that he is at the center of your identity. Amen. And value from the Merriam and Webster definition is relative worth, utility, or importance. So Kat, tell us why it's important to be Christ-centered for identity and value. Let's talk about, first, let's talk about value. So we're going to, uh, I would like to talk about our intrinsic, inherent value, the value that Christ gives us. Uh, first, because it's so fundamentally important to our lives, and it's so key to being Christ-centered. Uh, let's go over two scriptures. So there's a million scriptures we can go over. We try not to be here for seven hours. So we're going to pick a couple. So here's a couple. So I know that you love this scripture. So Psalms 139, 13 through 14. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And then also Matthew 10, 30 through 31, probably another one that you love. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. That's amazing, right? You know, we're not just talking to like bald people, right? We're talking to everybody, full head of hair and everything. Uh, but even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So when we talk about value, um, it's when you know that your value is based on Christ giving you value and not based on anything else, when you know that you have value simply because our God created you and because you were made in his image, you are able to be secure in who you are. And you don't have to overly prove to anyone else your worth as a human being. You can combat what other people tell you when it's negative. And you can bring yourself back down to earth when you are getting too much praise, because sometimes that happens, right? We kind of float away. We come back down to earth. You can operate from a place of freedom and strength. Praise God for that. And you can be bold in the right way. Because you know that nothing can take away your value. I think my brain is kind of stuck on that bald because I was thinking you can be bald and I don't know. My brain is kind of stuck on that word. Maybe like half now. a wreath. Yeah. <laughs> so knowing, knowing that your value helps you to be free to involve yourself in healthy relationships in a godly way. Navigate and cope with others even when they uh, want to underscore your value or tear you down. 
And you, you can set boundaries, even if there's rejection that may occur as a result. So like you were saying, you can handle rejection in a different way. Uh, when you know where your value, what your value is and where it comes from, you can recognize the value in others who are also created by God, even, and we don't like to admit it, but even when they seemingly have lessened their value by troublesome actions and poor decisions, we know once we know our value in Christ, that it's given by Christ, we can recognize that other people have value regardless, intrinsic inherent value. Now, identity. Wow. It is so important to have your identity based on Christ. So let's go over two scriptures uh, that refer to our identity. So Genesis 1:27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. That is so clear. We are made in God's image. John 1:12, And that's everyone. That's not just people who do good things. That's everyone. It, God made us in his own image. Okay. John 1:12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So when we are Christ-centered, when we accept Christ fully, we become children of God. That is our identity. Now, why is that so important to have our identity in Christ? Well, because we're sinners who fail. Eventually, we will fail. And if our identity was based upon that, maybe our identity would be fine as long as things are going fine. But eventually, we're going to fail in some aspect. And we would feel like failures. We would be down in the dumps. We'd constantly be trying to prove our worthiness and who we are through our actions. Our anxiety would go through the roof. And we certainly would be labile. We'd be up and down depending on how we're feeling that, that minute and how we're doing. Our well-being would be superficial or it would be artificial. Because also, it's so important to have our identity in Christ because the world prefers darkness over light and doesn't seek to build us up. Uh, it seeks to put itself ahead of us and it thrives on pushing us down or building us up so high that we become an idol only to leave us when we don't do as it says, or we don't measure up to the standard. So our, if our identity was wrapped up in the world, surely you would be let down and eventually you would be empty. Um, when it comes down to it, you're either following God or in one area or another, you're following the devil one way or another. You are someone's disciple and you are being molded by your teacher. So should you choose to have your identity molded by the devil, the world, false teachers, etc., things that are not of God, the Bible tells us that your, the path leads to spiritual death until you choose Christ. There's no real peace or fullness in the ways of the devil or anything that's apart from Christ. So having our identity based on Christ and not yourself or the things is so key to well-being because God, out of his mercy, has already defined who we are, declared his love for us, says who we are. We're his sons and daughters um, once you accept him. He cleanses us. He makes us anew. He makes us something that is so special and great and clean. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's nothing that we can never attain that on our own. So God, he tells us that we are clean and we are good in him, or maybe not good, but he tells us that we're clean in him and he never changes. He never lies. He's never wrong. Uh, When you've accepted Christ, he gives you his promises, promises for good amongst other things. And he provides you with his strength and direction, and he can provide you a perfect peace and joy. It means that your joy is not dependent upon people, circumstances, or things like we said. So you're more emotionally stable. You can regulate yourself better. Having our identity in Christ means that you won't break or fall away when times are tough. And it means that you will know who and what you are when others tell you differently. So if God defines you, no one else has to. You no longer look for who you are in others and you no longer overly seek others' validations. Finally, when your identity is in Christ, you can go after your goals without a crippling fear of failure. You can cope through rejection and failures without losing who you are. Now, can you have, bring us some scriptures Susan, and that might affirm that our identity needs to be wrapped in Christ, why it's so important to mental health specifically. Colossians 3.3, 3, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Um, Colossians 2.10, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. 
A mental health benefits of religion can have a large and positive impact on mental health. Research suggests that religiosity reduces suicide rates, alcoholism, and drug use. December 21st, 2006, National Alliance of Mental Illness, also known as NAMI. It's important to mental health in that believing brings us hope and hope keeps us alive and anchors us in keeping trying and a cheap plug because we do have a podcast on hope it's called hope and cope and so it also helps us with grief and bereavement um in knowing that our loved ones are in a better place Mm. it provides us with purpose and community and that is super helpful especially when trauma wants to tell you that you're alone Mm. so community helps us cope with depression and other mental health issues Hebrews 6.19 says, which hope we have an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. 1 Thessalonians 5.10, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Amen. So Kat, what are the benefits also of, you know, mental health and bridging your Christ-centered person? Well, for a believer, mental health and spiritual health are aligned. They're not separate. Um, well, true well-being really comes from the ultimate source of truth, joy, wellness, holiness, etc. So having your identity in Christ gives you a hedge of protection as you navigate the world and that lends to resilience, coping, thriving, etc. Um, if we were to look at a couple scriptures, a couple more, we love them, obviously. Psalm 91.1, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I think that's one of your favorites, right? Or am yeah. I just oh, predicting that? I was like, favorites, right? I know, it's yeah. like... <laughs> I just put the whole Psalm 91 on here. <laughs> just verse one. <laughs> All right. Uh, Isaiah 26, 3, one of my favorites. So one of your favorites, one of mine. Uh, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Praise God for that. John 14, 27, peace. This is, this is Jesus speaking, right? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Romans 8, 6, for, the, for to set the mind of, on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Praise God. Lastly, Ephesians 4, 21 through 24, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth in Je- is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true right- righteousness and holiness. Praise God. Now, let's talk about what are some practical things that you can do to cultivate a Christ-centered relationship. What do you think? So some practical tools when I was kind of thinking about this. Um, find a Bible, I mean, really like bare bones. Find, find a, Bible? a Bible version <laughs> oh, that version. works for you. Sorry, big time preachers, if you're listening to me. I love God's work, but just like Shakespeare, it's an acquired taste. Um, in the New King James Version, version. Um, with all the these and thous, I cannot. <laughs> The cubits and stuff. (laughs) I cannot. I cannot (laughs) tip. That's no. (laughs) So, um, you know, finding a a version of the Bible that works for you um, is really super important. I personally sped through the Common English Bible, the CEB version, no problem. Hmm. The King James Version, I did read because they say that it's in its truest form. That literally took me years in its entirety to get through. I mean, no joke. I'm like, I'm not trying to be funny right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm not going to I really I'm just thinking am not. that's a lot. That's a long time for the THs in there, huh? For Genesis really to Revelation, <laughs> it was really, 
<laughs> I mean, really, that's how long it took me. It was, it wasn't, yes, it was hard. So my nephew, I also got the Action Bible. He sped through that. My stepdaughter has the teen um, Bible version, and you know, and now that she's in summer, we have her read a chapter a day. Um, also, really practical, like that I use as well to kind of get me like on my Christ day, like woo, <laughs> spirit fingers Jesus. <laughs> I shower um, to either the Proverbs because I do love the Proverbs or, you know, take a bath and I do the audio Bible and turn it on, you know, turn on a preaching while showering as well. Got to see me naked. Got to see all of you naked. You made that naked body. <laughs> Don't have your hangups. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just thinking, um, is the shower symbolic? Are you cleansing yourself in God's word? Is that... Are you being maybe funny? Like, maybe like how Adam and Eve with the fig leaf. <laughs> Oh, they were they were they were fit back then. It was just one big leaf. If you're that shy, put the bubble baths in the in the bikini areas. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, and my favorite on a long commute, um, turning on a preaching or the word. Um, I also usually get out my frustration, not on traffic, but just you know out like in that prayer time. Especially if you live where we live, um, where there's tons of traffic all even on the weekends. So I mean, it's a really good time to pray in the car and just like ah, And then like you know throughout my day, I find and maybe more some of you are more saved than me. <laughs> But I have small friendship talks with God, and especially if somebody is annoying me, either, you know, at work or my personal life, I think, oh, I want to throw punches them, Lord, please, renew my mind. <laughs> renew. They're like, Romans 12 to you, Romans 12 to you, Romans 12 to you. <laughs> and, you know, and then sometimes, like, I know, you, you guys get a sneak peek into my brain. But then also, like, a, you know, a spirit of gratitude is also super helpful. Uh, I know, what a contrast, Thank you for right? letting me want <laughs> to throw punch punching. <laughs> Great transition. <laughs> thank you for my, thank you for the Holy Ghost. Thank you for my muscles and my arm. <laughs> so, anyways, um, so yes, you know, just a lot of Jesus internal dialogue. You know, like throughout the day, like having like small like little conversations with the Lord, like about like your how your day's going. You know, just like you would a friend. I think that's super helpful as well. Cat, what are some practical tools that you use? All right. Well, I got a few. So let's, let's talk about, did you know, when I was, when I was thinking about this, I didn't realize that there are Christ-centered planners. So you're talking about practical. There you go. Christ-centered planners. Now I have not bought one. I don't exactly know what's in them, but based off of their ads and you know, ads always make it look. Planters like peanuts? No, planners. (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) Okay. My brain hurts. They're Christ-centered peanuts. Absolutely. (laughs) Is that kind of like a fortune cookie? Centered planters. No. Oh, gotcha. gotcha. Nature and seeing God's creation and the symbolism yeah, okay. of growing. No, planners like schedules. Uh, um, okay. I don't, you know, from based off of their ads, they look they look encouraging. They have encouraging ideas, oh. goal formation, space, things like that. So maybe that's a practical way. Check it out. I don't know. Let me say, I don't think any of those things, devotions, I don't think anything takes place in the Bible, but it does sound kind of cool. And those things can kind of supplement and help you along the way. Uh, hopefully, it's cracked up to what it's advertises. Okay, so on a deeper level, deeper than a schedule and a planner or planter, you need to be practicing the Christian disciplines, reg- Christian disciplines regularly. Don't fool yourself into thinking it doesn't matter. It does. If you think you're going to grow spiritually without that, you're going to be shocked a little bit. You really need to immerse yourself in the Christian disciplines, like reading daily. You know, Christians really don't take breaks. 
from reading. It's not like, hey, woo, I finally finished. Now I'm cool for another six months. That's not really what we do. We, we consistently read and we, we just don't take breaks. We are continually called to grow, whether you are eight, whether you're 86. You need to know who Christ is and what his word says to be Christ-centered. So otherwise, how do you know what that looks like? How do you know if you're hitting the mark or completely slightly or slightly missing the bullseye? 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 tells us all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That's what you want, okay? So you need to read the Bible in its entirety. Do not rely on various scriptures that you overhear at church. Go to church. But sometimes you only hear particular scriptures. Don't rely on that. You need to read the Bible in its entirety. So reading the Bible in its entirety changes things entirely. I feel like that's like a little commercial right? Like a little jingle, bing, like from the 50s radio. Okay. My recommendation personally is to start with the Gospels in the New Testament. It's easier to read. It's written uh, more of how we speak. Um, I think um, we can kind of get lost sometimes when we start with Genesis, unless you're a big history buff and you like that kind of speak. Genesis can be, Genesis is great. There's a lot of stories, but once you get a couple books in, you might fall out once you start getting to the numbers and all those things. So, and then reading the New Testament can sometimes make it easier to read the Old Testament. And to understand that. So personally, along with your stepdaughter, I read one chapter a day. I think make your goals achievable and realistic. If you can read a book a day, amazing. But if you can't, one chapter a day is great. Something. Make learning about Christ and his word a priority. Make a tangible schedule that you um, of what your day looks like. And identify where you can put study into your schedule. You need to be practicing submission to God's sovereignty. So you probably need to use stress management. Te- if you're not used to that, you need to use stress management techniques to help you with the anxiety that comes up. So well, I'll give you a couple of tips. You can also hear our, we have a whole podcast on anxiety, on regulating our emotions, on stress management. So a couple mm-hmm. tips, remind yourself that God is good and in control. He has plans for good for you. Okay. Um, utilize your five senses to calm your body. Focus on the now short bits of time. Use affirmations and things like right now in this minute, I'm okay. Right now I'm just showering. I'm okay. Uh, right now I'm getting dressed. I'm okay. Uh, focus on short bits of time instead of large amounts of time exercise to get those happy feelings going and help balance out the stress. Okay. Use CBT, use cognitive behavioral therapy techniques, um, or go to therapy if you need it. Next, get into accountability relationships, surround yourself with godly people who point you back to Christ and showcase Christ in themselves. Okay. Join a Bible study, a life group, something where you're learning the word and its application. Make sure it's Bible-based. Start identifying ways that you can serve and do that. A Christian's is to have a servant's heart. Okay. Identify what your spiritual gifts are. Start finding ways that you can use that. Ask your church, can you serve there, for example? Take a spiritual gifts test if need be, or just look at the ways that you're naturally, things that you're naturally good at. Start finding ways to do that, things that you have passion for, or look at what needs there are in your community or in your church, and then just jump in. Practice diligence in your other areas of life. Become structured, practice following through. Hopefully that will become a pattern that you can, that can translate to your spiritual life as well. God is a God of order, not confusion. You need to be free from spiritual practices that are not of the Lord. Witchcraft, conjuring spirit, tarot cards, reading stones, all those things. You need to be free of that and free of mind-altering substances that keep you from being sober-minded. I'm not saying you can't ever have alcohol or things like that, but you shouldn't be drunk. That's what 1 Peter 5, 8 tells us, right? Be sober-minded, be watchful. You need to be free from idols. Matthew 6, 24 tells us you cannot serve two masters. Start identifying and making lists of how the Lord has worked in your life or run through your thinking how he is working through your life now. Pray before you have decisions to make. Consult God. Ask for wisdom. Do a review of your relationship and circumstances. Ask yourself, what is God asking of me here? What is God trying to teach me? Start telling others about Christ and his glory, his word, and what he has done in your life. You want to be continually reminded of God's goodness. Take time 
spend time in nature, um, away from particular distractions like phone, social media, business, business type stuff. Um, being in nature reminds you of the creator of nature. It reminds you of the vastness of the Lord. So sometimes we need that reminder. Remember though, worship the creator, not the creation. Very important. But but notice the, the things in life, the grand things that God has created in, in his grandness. And sometimes that help us, helps us to remember his importance, okay, and in, in, in our lives. Finally, fasting has a place. Like you said, you are sacrificing something you think about or would do often, and you're placing it with prayer and worship of our Lord. Make sure you're doing it for the right intentions. Now, as we uh, exit out of here, what would you like them to know, Susan? Being Christ-centered really is... I mean, like exactly what it it means. Like, you know, you have to have the discipline to walk out that walk. And it's not always easy. And it takes a lot of sacrifice to get up early, find the time, do whatever it is like that you need to do. Just like with any other discipline that you would want to do, like school or anything else, you have to make time. But this brings you more benefit than the other things. Yes. And this, Mm -hmm. you know... My mom used to tell me when I was young, because, you know, I I do like to read. She was like, no novel will ever take the place of a Bible and its knowledge. And so those are really wise words. That is a novel concept. (laughs) Cat with the puns. What would you like them to take? Did I read into that too much? (laughs) As you take us away in prayer, what would you like them to take away? Well, we want to remind you, right, that um, we have our Healthy Emotional Core handout on Facebook and Instagram, right? And Twitter. And again, check out our, our sites on YouTube, Instagram, all those things. Check out our website, right? Socialworkersandscriptures.com or socialworkersandscriptures.podbean.com. You can hear all of our podcasts. I think, you know, what I really want you to, to remember is that just there is nothing like being filled with Christ. There is nothing like it. No relationship, <laughs> no role, no job, True no amount story. of money. Nothing will fill you like Christ. And all those other things, they're just added to you. When you're filled with Christ, you will know joy like nothing else. And you will just want to share it. And that's really what I wanted to share with you. Anything else before I start praying? In no, tongues? I think I'm you're... I'm I pray in tongues. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <I'm just> <laughs> <laughs> all right. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this time. Thank you, Lord God, that we are able to just worship you together. I pray that those that are listening would hear exactly what you want them to hear, specifically for them, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would work in their lives, work in our lives. Help us, Lord Jesus, as we go through life to worship you, to be Christ-centered, to do all things in life as, as if we're doing it unto you, Lord Jesus. Help us to have, be Christ-minded, Lord Jesus. Help us to be more like you and to grow closer to you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, and, and uh, we praise your holy name. Amen. All right, and until next time. Ciao. All right, no, no, that's my, remember, that's my, all right, that's I all I, I do know, right there. That's why I said. All right, bye, guys. Bye.